Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Woodzik. This is episode 71 with Peggy Gannon, Peggy Gannon Returns. We talk about Map Theater's upcoming production of Belleville, which runs March 25th through April 16th at 12th Avenue Arts. More information on Map Theater's Facebook page, or you can also visit map-theater, theater spelled R-E, dot com. We'll have those links in the episode description. If you'd like to support the Theatrical Mustang podcast, feel free, and we would encourage you to make a one-time donation or a recurring donation. You can visit theatricalmustang.podbean.com, and every little bit helps helps us to make sure that these episodes are free for everyone who wants to listen to them. So without further ado, please enjoy episode 71, Peggy Gannon Returns. So I'm sitting here with our, our first repeat one-on-one <laughs> guest. This is uh, this is going to be the episode where Peggy Gannon returns to the podcast. I return triumphant. We didn't talk about everything the first time around, so we're going to... Clearly. <laughs> I'm your first return single interview. Yes, That's you are. Awesome. You, have, you have that distinct honor. I will always have that distinct and honor. Just, uh, it just, is an honor. It is an honor. We it just surpassed uh, 6,000 listens. No so way. That's amazing. Probably more people will listen to this episode than the first one around, and it'll be great, because they'll know your awesomeness if they don't already. Sure. Yeah, that's what we're all about, my awesomeness. <laughs> yes, this that's the goal of this podcast. So you just started rehearsals for a absolutely fascinating and chilling play. Yes. Tell me about this play. It is called Belleville. It's by Amy Herzog, who probably is best known for 4,000 Miles. Right. Mm -hmm. Which was uh, produced locally at Arts West uh, last season. Oh, my brain is so fuzzy. Maybe the season before. I think last season. One of the most commonly produced plays, 2014-2015. I know that because I saw that's what she said. Uh, Absolutely. I'd love to talk about that. (laughs) Yes. We'll go there. But yes, um, yes, 4,000 Miles. That's uh, yeah, absolutely right. One of the one of the most produced plays in America last year. Um, but she wrote um, this other. Well, she's written several. Um, but this one that we're producing called Belleville. It's a one act, really tight, speedy one act. Really chilling. It is chilling, isn't it? When you read when you read it, you read it and you're like, oh, things. This just seems like a normal couple. You think it's going to go in one direction and then and it yeah and it's but it's yeah. she does something with the dialogue that's very discomforting. As you're reading yes. it, even it, you yes. know, you're like, what? It feels, everything seems normal, but it doesn't feel right. What's going to happen? Yeah. So it all takes place in an apartment. A single. That is not in this country. No, it takes place in Paris, in the neighborhood of Belleville, hence the name. <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's why she called it that. <laughs> um, but it's an, uh, an, uh, an, couple young American, late 20s, early 30s, uh, married uh, white American couple who goes to Paris to so that uh, Zach, the husband, can uh, take this job um, helping AIDS babies, researching AIDS babies, not researching, researching pediatric them. AIDS, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> AIDS babies. <laughs> oh my God. Who am I? Terrible. I'm sorry, AIDS babies. You're not terrible. <laughs> pediat- pediat- pediatric, pediatric AIDS, AIDS patients. Yes. yes. Um, Over there. Yeah. And uh, and she, uh, Abby, the wife of the couple, is 
um, not doing much of anything. She doesn't have a work visa, um, so she's not able to to do much and uh, has a lot of time on her hands. Um, turns out, so does he. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but it's really, it's really fantastic, and it does. It t- takes place in a uh, in the the living room of their Belleville apartment, uh, which they rent from their uh, from the landlords who live in the apartment below them in the building, who are also characters in the show. They are a, a French Senegalese couple named Alune and Amina. And uh, they uh, drop into the living room to interact with our, our fearless heroes, or our fearful heroes, I guess. In that it's real, when I read the script, there's, there's some really interesting things that she does with, um, with class and, and how... It's very interesting because the yeah. French-Senegalese couple, we've been talking a lot about that, the French-Senegalese couple, immigrants... But African immigrants in France, which right. is different than being an African immigrant or an African American in America, uh, and then uh, American immigrants or expats, at least right. in France, and so you've got the the dichotomy of the two types of others, I guess, that would be over in Europe. You know, one one being white but not speaking the language, and one not being white but speaking the language. It's really interesting. How did you come to choose this play? Well, we actually asked Erin Craft uh, if she would like to direct for her. Craft. Yeah, And now right? she's in Minneapolis. And now she's in Minneapolis. And, um, and we had a couple really great meetings with her, uh, and she was really into it, and her sensibility is very similar to ours, this kind of dark comedy with this... Uh, slightly fantastical or, or I don't know what's going to happen kind of element to it, uh, that kind of tight tension. Um, she's really into that as well, but um, the projects that she you know, was able to do when she was working at The Rep, that's, they don't tend to lean right. exactly toward that way. Um, and so she was really excited to work with us, and she proposed two scripts. One of them was Belleville. Um, the other one was an awesome play, which I'm not going to mention because I'm hoping to do it in the future. (laughs) But Belleville was one of them. Uh, But then within like, I don't know, four to six months later, she found out that she was accepted to Minneapolis for, for directing, uh, which is awesome. But at that point we asked her if she would mind if we took her proposed script and, and and did it without her involvement. And she was of course very gracious, but I didn't want to be a jerk about it. So uh, I would have loved to have her direct it, but uh, now I'm directing it. Tell me about your cast. You have a fantastic cast. Tell me all about it. Yes. Well, first is uh, Brandon Ryan, my uh, partner and the spiritual leader of MAP Theater. Um, He's playing Zach. And uh, Kiki Abba, who is amazing. We love you, Kiki. Yeah, she's so great. Uh, man, she's got a fan base in this town, too. Like, everybody loves Kiki, and she's, for good reason. I just love it. She's just one of those people, I think, uh, who... It's the opposite of being cutthroat. It's someone who has such a generosity of... Who's talented, mm-hmm. talented as fuck, yeah. but has a generosity of spirit. Absolutely. Spreading the word about everything. Uh-huh. Volunteering everywhere networking all all the time and, and out it's paying of, off right, right? And, and out of complete um like kind of personal mission too right. it's not you know it's not to get get forward right. you know not right. not to get on it's just who she is yeah she's great she's great she yeah she, uh, she and Brandon t- together it's just going to be devastating uh and then our uh French Senegalese couple is Mia Tesfe who I have known for several years since she was a student at SU she was one of the um uh student intern 
production assistants on Titus Andronicus, which uh, the all-female version of Titus Andronicus okay. that, uh, that uh, Rosa Joshi directed um, that had a bunch of SU interns. Um, so I met her there, uh, and she's... Fantastic. I mean, and she was she was like a little baby when I first. I don't know, but she was you know she was in college and, and maybe right. sophomore in college, so so younger college. But she just recently graduated. Fantastic powerhouse, um, super smart. Uh, also, is the only one in the cast who has uh, experience speaking French, so that's really helpful. <laughs> um, and now you're the dialect, coach, yeah, right, the language right, exactly. instructor. And then uh, playing Al Yoon is an actor who I've just recently met uh, and seen on stage, uh, Tamron Harrison, who is fantastic. It's just oh, such a good cast, and they're all so game and smart. And uh, Casey Shiflett, uh, who was our third uh, main company member for MAP, she's assistant directing. Uh, also, uh, also met her on Titus Andronicus. She was part of the cast. Um, she had just, I think at that point, just graduated from SU. So she and Mia know each other. And and then who else? We've got um, the, uh, Becky Plant is stage managing and a killer design team who, um, some of some of whom are repeats before, Tess Malone and Brandon Estrella, who both, and Joseph Swartz, all three of who uh, designed for us just recently on Art of Bad Men. Uh, and then we have Jessamine Bateman Aino, who is uh, normally part of our stage management crew, but she's doing props. And then uh, back with us again is Julia Volnovich doing costumes. Uh, she did not work with us on Art of Bad Men, but uh, previous to that, she, she'd uh, uh, done all of our map shows. I'm trying to think if that's true, but I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think I can say that. Yeah. I want to ask super you. Exciting. I'm excited, and, and we're going to get to the dates and and the Facebook and all of that, because people are going to want to come see this show. Oh, I really she think they are. She sung into the microphone. <laughs> uh, so, approaching approaching this play, putting the audition notice out, having a diverse cast. Did you did you worry about? Did you have a moment where you're like, I, I oh, I absolutely did. I absolutely did. And, and yeah, what sure. you put into place to make sure that it happened. Sure. Well, um, there's uh, to to this community's benefit. There has been a lot of transparent conversation recently about uh, casting diversity, whatever that word means. But but yes, casting diversity. But also not just casting diversity, but color in casting, specifically right. color and uh, and I suppose gender in casting. Um, and that has been a really hot topic of conversation and really exciting. And I don't feel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel that it's been, it's certainly been passionate, uh, but it hasn't been divisive, it doesn't feel to me. It does feel like people are listening, even if they're not agreeing, um, for the most I think part. for the most part. Yeah, oh, there's always I think sometimes, that sometimes there's that rule. some preheated tangents I've seen on Facebook, but, and, you I know, agree. the joys of social media, but... yeah. Um, it's heartening to see that people but the uh, conversation seem is to really want to learn. Really, the egg is cracked, and we're not getting that yolk back in the egg, and that right. conversation is going to continue, and it's really exciting. This particular play, uh, uh, Herzog specifically wrote for t- a white American couple and a French-Senegalese couple right. uh, in Paris. Uh, so ve- very specifically, she was clearly um, uh Targeting what you picked up on, which is the kind of difference in, in, in class and color in a European country and the different kind of immigrants. Um, so, uh, so I didn't uh, have to this time delve into that kind of more existential um, uh, thought process of 
making sure I'm not just automatically casting white, you know, uh, white straight people. Uh, but so I didn't, I didn't really, because I, I was casting one couple white, straight, upper middle class <laughs> and the other couple specifically not. Right. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I'm also an older member of the fringe community, so I don't know a lot of the young kids coming up through the <laughs> ranks. You know, I've seen them on stage, but I don't know them personally and sure. they don't necessarily know me. Um, so I didn't know, uh, I, I didn't know the kind of breadth of, of actors of color that were out there. Uh, and so I was a little worried, um, because boy, you do hear in directing when people aren't, the reason that we're not casting actors of color is that they never come to our auditions, you know, and that's, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, common thread, I would think, um, and that I've heard. And I was just like, you know, I think that's bullshit. And I think I just need to reach out and ask. I don't know who these actors of color are personally, but I know they're there because I have seen them in audition rooms. I've seen them on the stage. I just don't know them personally. So I asked everybody I knew. Uh, and so is that, as I'm just, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to lead others to hopefully go down your path mm-hmm. of, of instead of just throwing your hands in the air and say, no, we can't do this thing. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, was this, so I you, specific- leveraging your network was that mm-hmm. prior to posting a TPS audition that or? was prior to posting the TPS audition. Um, I wanted to, um, we were going to have open call no matter what. Right. Um, but I wanted to specifically target and invite, uh, actors that had been recommended to me um, that uh, uh, that others that my network would know about um, that wouldn't necessarily I don't know look on TBS. Um, that's one of the other conversations that I find most interesting is how I look for auditions is not necessarily how other communities uh, look for auditions and you know that kind of way that I came up through the through the ranks right. is not necessarily true. They're not the same ranks anymore, and so. A lot of people aren't on TPS because, you know, frank, quite frankly, some people don't have 50 bucks to spend a year to be right, on TPS, right, and so they're not right. necessarily seeing those auditions. We don't have The Stranger anymore posting auditions, and The ra- uh, the Times, which is what we did back in my day, back was we actually day. picked up a Sunday paper, and, or the Friday paper, whatever it was, and, and they were printed audition notices. There, How? <laughs> there was internet back then, but it wasn't like it is yeah. now. Yeah. So we, yeah, they, we, theaters just posted auditions mean, in the paper. <laughs> and I'm sort of like, I'm sort of smacking my hand because I'm like, well, where would people hear about it if it wasn't on TPS? But I mean that, you know, access is, is a huge part of this, I think. This conversation. Yes, I absolutely think so. And, um, also just word of mouth. And I can't trust that my word of mouth among the people who are within my reaching distance is the word of mouth I need. I need, I need more. I need further reaching word of right. mouth. So I reached out to, um, uh, I hadn't worked as a director in over a year, maybe more. Yeah. Maybe two years. I've been doing a lot of acting in the last two years. So I hadn't worked as a director maybe in the last two year and a half say. Um, so I was a little bit out of touch and, and who was even kind of, uh, who's gone equity and who's back at fringe and, and right. you know, who's around and who's hot and you know, who's new and, who we should keep our eyes on, the kids today, you know. Uh, so I just, did, I, you know, I had no idea. Um, so, yeah, so I reached out to a bunch of actors, uh, excuse me, directors that had recently directed in the last couple of years. Um, uh, and, uh, speci- well, specifically everybody uh, that I trust as a director to give me good advice, but also more even extra specifically Directors who I knew had cast uh, actors of color in the last couple of years. Uh, Julia Griffin, um, uh, Brandon Simmons, Mm. um, 
and uh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but the um, the one who did the Pony World, uh, who directed the Pony World production of the with the long name. Um, we this is a play presenting. We are presenting a presentation about the. I can't. I, sorry, oh, I can't remember the yes. long name. Well, but, it'll come to you like yes, fifteen minutes it will. later. <laughs> it will. But anyway, so I, I reached out to all these all these people because I know that they had had uh, you know recent access to actors of color, and it was really cool and enlightening. And I met a really ton of people, even if they weren't able to come in and audition. Um, uh, the, the response over email was really positive and and cool and um it was cool it was really cool like i just really think like like there that, that there's a, a perfect if, that's, if you awesome. that's, that's a great template you know for other folks who are maybe struggling with how to do it right or do it better or mm-hmm. do it well like that's that's an awesome template of you know things yep. you can do yep um and uh and i have to give a shout out to brandon simmons because uh, he was very gracious in his recommendations to me, um, and then added a caveat. And he said, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm happy to give you, I, I respect you, uh, you're a friend, I respect these people, uh, they are friends and acquaintances, um, but with this gift of these names and this contact information is the caveat that I, uh, I'm challenging you in the future not just to call these actors in when you're looking for a black actor, but to call these actors in when you're looking for any good actor. And, um, and that is a great reminder. That was a great reminder to me. And I really appreciated the, um, the explicitness of that reminder, because I think it's really easy not to, uh, to automatically think that, uh, actors who are not identified as a particular, uh, race or gender, it's very rare that they're not labeled as a particular gender, but, um, but nonetheless, um, to, to think that they're going to be, you know, pretty much like me, <laughs> white, middle class. Uh, and that's the way that most stages are right. these days. And, um, and I was really happy. I, I, I hope that I would have thought of that anyway, but I was really happy for the reminder because maybe I wouldn't have just because because my brain is is still catching up to being rewired right. to this right. this brave new world which is an exciting new world. Thank you for going through that process. That yeah. was that was a really I was you. really nervous. I do have to say I was really nervous cuz I keep hearing like oh the actors of color just don't show up. They don't show up. They don't show up. Well, you know, maybe they don't show up cuz you have shitty roles. Maybe they don't show up because they don't want to play that asshole again, you right. know? I don't know. Well, now we have an a, again Again, thank you, thank you for going through that. I want to make sure, because people are going to want to come see these four amazing actors in this play. So March 25th through April 16th, 12th Avenue Arts. Is this the first time you've been, you've produced there? Yes, it is. Yeah. We'll be in the studio space. Um, Exciting. uh, Yeah. It's really exciting. I mean, what a well-appointed, lovely hub it has become uh, right in the middle of Capitol Hill, which is really nice. Because, man, Capitol Hill's turned into a shit show, man. <laughs> Holy crap. That place is... Yep. A little bit. Wow. It's different than... Yeah. It's got a different vibe, but um, that 12th Avenue Arts... Uh, I think it's lovely because there are these little pockets of, yes. like, annex or 12th Avenue... These little kind of uh, um, pandemonium, pandemonium with these little yeah. pockets of wonderfulness. Yeah. Yeah. That's 
that that continue to go on. Absolutely. Uh, if folks want to get more information about the show and and tickets when they uh, go on sale, where would they visit on the interwebs? Uh, we do have a website. It's map theater.com and theater we spell theater with an R-E as it should be <laughs> and, uh, and so we've got uh, links to everything on our website uh, but in this day and age uh, Facebook is really our front page to the world that's how so we have a Facebook event it's already up on brown paper tickets you always do fun marketing so I'm, I'm excited to see what, what images and, and things start popping up for this show yeah I'm, oh, well, I'm excited to know that too <laughs> my brain's totally been in script mode yeah so it'll be fun to kind of expand it a little bit um, the advantage, uh, I think when we spoke last year, we were doing the feast and I was right. producing and acting. Right. Um, now I'm producing and directing again. And I have to say producing and directing is way easier than producing and acting because the producer and the yes. director have similar modes, train tracks that they're running on. Um, and, and the way that their, their brains work, but uh, an actor producer, boy, I had to like, I had to switch yeah. gears all the time. It was yeah. really, and so the, I'm, I'm decorum of. The, those two things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really, it's uh, not that I don't want to act for Map again. That's not true, but it, uh, it's, it's kind of a relief to be acting. Uh, excuse me, directing and producing again. You have to meet. You have to meet my friend uh, Dina Dina Duncan, who's directing Thirty Nine Steps, uh-huh. because she got very close, very close to a very competitive uh, MFA in directing program. And uh, the thing that knocked her down is that they said that she was uh, too producer-focused in her directing answers. And so I think the two of you... Oh, interesting. <laughs> it be interesting to get the I would like to. I would like that MFA yes. program to explain yes. why that's a bad... <laughs> that's why that's bad rather than good. I don't, I don't know. I don't... You know, I wasn't in it, but it's... it's uh, yeah, and I find myself... Um, yeah, the older, the older I get, uh, <laughs> sort of coming... It's, it's hard to... Um, I don't want to say just to be an actor, but when you do direct and produce, to really be like, okay, the acting is my primary goal, yeah. and I yeah. can see how that prop could be fixed, and I could see how maybe that should be adjusted, but really yeah. I need to, you know, keep my, my arms and legs inside the vehicle <laughs> and just, just work on the acting. No, it's really, it can be, it can be really hard, especially when you're just like, oh, I could just, oh, if I could just have a little duct tape, I could fix that. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not really my job to fix it when I'm an actor in a production. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, ma'am. Ah, that's funny. You talked a little bit earlier about, about gender uh, and, and casting, which is, that is like my hot topic right now. I was just, uh, before we started recording, I was saying that, you know, we're in, we're in February of 2016 and the first three roles that I have been cast in have all been male roles, but doing them, cool. you know in drag, like, not changing the pronouns, not changing the character, mm-hmm. uh, and how that has been a really powerful experience for me, because that sort of made me more strongly identify with and embrace an identity of being more gender fluid, and how that's just sort of cracked open the way that I approach acting a little bit. So cool. Where do you think casting is heading with that? You know, like, I, I just don't know. It's super exciting. Um, I uh, was talking about my, my, when my parents were visiting, uh, I was talking about an actor friend of mine, uh, actress friend of mine, who, um, who is on, who, who is on the, the, the gender fluid scale rather mm-hmm. than identifying right. as, as binary. And, um, and, and, and that's just like, 
it's so cool to me, but I can't even totally wrap my head around it. Like it's it, it speaking of brave new world. I mean, that's super exciting and it's so moving. Like when you speak about that, I mean, I just want to cry. <laughs> um, uh, Eddie DeHaze, uh, yes, uh, just recently. Yes. Uh, uh, asked to be, uh, <laughs> I'm going to cry. Um, but just recently asked, said, you know, Hey, I'm just trying this thing out where I'd like to be known as Eddie. And it's just, I've always wanted to do it. And now's the time and it feels more comfortable. And I read that and I cried. And I remember when I read your thing about, um, about the, uh, about, uh, playing male roles, how that, how that has changed the way that you perceive yourself. I mean, it's so moving and like, it's, it wouldn't even have been possible for my generation. I think it's and, it's so uh, talking to talking to folks again. I, I'm so, so I'm so on a Dina Duncan. I love you, kick because she's my current director. But you know, she she was in Stella Adler's last master class, mm-hmm. and how how now we're transitioning into you know this new brave world as you're talking about, and how like. I hope that 20 years from now, we've just completely exploded the notion of type. I, I really, maybe. I, think, like it's, I, I hope I, that we're going I, in I that hope direction. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. I mean, there is certainly a, there is certainly a place in the world for the binary, right? And the, uh, and the kind of traditionally normie, you know? <laughs> the, um, uh, because it's, it's a shorthand for a lot of people. Right. Um, but, to, but to crack it open, not necessarily... Um, all over, but at least in a sub subset or a subgenre to, you know, to be able to play, oh, wow, man, it's so cool. And to even to be able to conceive of thinking of yourself in that way is mind blowing and certainly wouldn't have been possible in my parents' generation and was only just becoming possible in my generation. And it's, it's, Oh my God! It's what and, and the, the, these playwrights that are 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 new that are coming up that are like are maybe even being born now. Like they're <laughs> going to be writing plays inside of this world, right? That that their characters. I, it would be so cool to see how playwriting is going to develop and how their concept of of gender and um, that that whole notion, gender and sexuality, is going to might change everything like a person you know person actor x a person you know oh my god that's it's it's, it gives me the vapors in a good way yeah i and it's like moving to me how moved that you were by the conversation so moving to me i like i just really like oh man anything that we can get that gets us closer to being able to have a language for people to express who they are rather than the the very conservative yeah. language we've had for in this country for for several hundred years but it hasn't always been that way in the rest of uh worldwide history you know there have been times that uh that there was more fluidity in our gender and our sexuality and right. but not in this country and it's still really dangerous and scary yeah it's uh yeah, it's interesting. The, I, I think about the whole, um, you know, theater history 101 and talking about Japanese theater and how they really, it's a, a view acting as a spiritual transformation, right? And uh, I know I've had, I've had really awesome experiences before where you run into someone after you've done a show and they're like, wait. Wait, you were in that show? Oh, oh! And it takes them a second yeah. to recognize you. But uh, I just, 
just before you just before we sat down, I, I, I had an email from someone who had, had come to see Thirty Nine Steps, and he said he was sitting next to someone who it, it took them to, it took I'm feeling like I might cry now, but uh, <laughs> it took them to intermi- it took them until intermission to realize, to realize that it wasn't a man. That's so cool. Right? That's so cool. Like, I saw oh. I saw a show that Sean Bailey directed uh, at Live Girls when Live Girls had the Ballard Underground space. I can't remember it, but it was a racing show. It was, okay. uh, it was about race uh, car, uh, race car drivers. Uh, and they it was specifically written for an all-female actor cast to play males, to play male race car drivers. And I knew, I knew everybody, but one of the actresses in it. Uh, and one of the actresses that was in it was Erin Stewart. And oh, I went, yeah. and I, she's one of my faves, right? Yeah. And I've, I've known her for forever. Uh, uh, for forever. That's <laughs> I haven't known her for forever, but I've known her for quite some time. Uh, certainly. And then I was in that show, God, I wish I could remember. Vroom, I think it was called. Vroom with an exclamation point. Uh, and, uh, and I kept waiting through to intermission to see her on stage and I was at the same time wondering who the second a- other actor was that I didn't know. And it turns out that was Aaron Stewart. And I was like, that is so fucked up. It's so cool. And I know her. Like, I right. totally know her. And still, I was just like, I, my brain just switched it off that that was her. That is really, and that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, th- I want to now loop back to that's what she said. Because yes. I think it's interesting uh, when I po- I you referenced a Facebook post that I did, which was it was a side by side shot of the last two roles that I played, um, which were uh, Alice in Adam's Family, which is very Stepford wife almost at least in the first half, very feminine, um, very girly like saccharine kind of part versus. Um, the evil professor I get to play in 39 Steps yeah. and, and how I'm like, I just, I think I just might start asking to audition for, like, just saying, like, will you will you see me for male roles or something like that? Yeah. And someone commenting and saying, well, are you sure, like, you have to do that or is it just, like, female roles need to be better? And I, I think it's, it's both for me personally. Yeah. But I think that's a great segue into yeah. that's what she said. Yeah. Did you get a chance to see it? I did not Beast see it, but I know, I, right, I, I know everything. I, I, I talked to Courtney when she was um, developing the concept, at right. the, you know, like when they were even workshopping it, but I, I didn't get to see it. I haven't really been able to talk on air a lot about it on air. <laughs> um, <laughs> since I interviewed oh, Aaron so and Hatlow cool. before. They opened, and then cool. since the, what is it, three cease and desist orders from yeah. Sam French, one from Dramatists, yeah. what's your take on this whole hullabaloo, our little Seattle show <laughs> suddenly explodes on the national theater scene? Oh, man, I think it is freaking cool. I texted Courtney, and I was like, you are the most exciting thing to happen to theater this year, period. <laughs> And it's true. It's really true. And and not not just her, but Aaron and Hatlow as well, right? That whole team. But that's it's one of the most exciting conversation generating things. To they wow, they certainly set out to um, generate a conversation, but they're getting more of a conversation than they bargained for. And how cool is that? Um, what is my take? I mean, that is so. It's the very fact that it has escalated to the level that it has 
is so clearly a cry for more transparent conversation about these issues. Um, yeah, crazy. They got a cease and desist order, multiple, and yeah. one for a play that doesn't have any women in it, so no lines are actually spoken. You, just, you in, hear, hear like, the sound ah! of 86, 86 pages being flipped by, and I love that in one of the uh, one of the pieces they they actually. Um, they laid out how many how many words yes. from each play yep. that they used. And I think the most was maybe 800 words. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. I mean, it's uncomfortable, right? Um, and I can understand why the playwrights are uncomfortable. And, and we have to say that these the playwrights aren't necessarily involved in these cease and desist right. orders. Right. They have lawyers and people working for them. And um, I don't think that we should be disingenuous about the way the legal system works either. Um, sometimes it's totally fucked up, but it's true in our litigious society that often you must... It, it's almost required that you put some kind of cease and desist order down because that protects you. If you don't do it then and then somebody really does violate your work later, they can count the first one that you didn't bother to put a cease right. and desist as precedent, um, which doesn't make it right. I'm not saying it makes it right, but I don't think that we should be disingenuous about how our, how our legal system works. Some of these playwrights might support that's what she said. Some of them might not. I have no idea how the playwrights. All we know is how the agents and uh, Sam French and the and dramatists are reacting, right? We don't really... I'd love to hear from the playwrights that are named in the cease and desist orders. But I don't presume to speak... Uh, I don't presume to know what they're thinking. Um, but uh, I think it's certainly clear that when you simply put metrics on a piece of paper that shows that this is systemic sexism, a systemic discrimination, whether intentional or not, you, we all know what the road to hell is paved with, whether it's intentional or not, there's systemic discrimination in um, the the stories that are getting told and uh you can just put that you put those numbers down on paper and everyone's like those numbers don't tell the whole story yes you know what they do they tell just as much of a story as that play does and that's that's what that's what she said is all about it's that story of those numbers ah it's so exciting <laughs> you cannot argue with numbers right right when Super exciting. Yeah, it's also really yeah. distressing. I, I don't like. I don't like when our our community is is divided and and and, and distressed um, and and not coming together. That's why I'm hoping that that's why the conversation needs to happen. Is we need to get it all on the table, vomit it out on the table, so that we can start to unpack it and sort through the the gems that are in the vomit. Oh, good metaphor. Great. Yeah. Metaphor. I love that. It's very <laughs> vivid. Very very vivid. <laughs> You, you touched a little bit earlier on uh, all, an all-female version of Titus Andronicus. Yeah. Which, what? That's amazing. That seems like a step in the right direction, perhaps. What's Peggy Gannon's guide <laughs> to having more and better female stories on stage? Um, I don't... I've been asking myself that question a lot, and I don't, I don't know the answer. Um, but I... I I wish I had a better answer for you, but um, I can, with full-fledged, transparent honesty, say that it is a question I am asking myself. I don't. Um, there's there's two things that I'm I'm interested in, and, and both are related. Which is one is seeing more 
yes, female voices, but other voices. Right. Other, other voices. I love me some middle-class white males. <laughs> I love me them. But I, there are so many other stories. I'm, I, I get so antsy when I um, go to the theater again and again. I think I might have even talked about the last podcast and said, um, you know, the, the again and again, the same types of stories, the same kind of like middle class white angst, um, which is true and interesting, but it's not the only story. And then I'll go to a, a show um, that tells a different story and, and be absolutely salivating um, because I'm so hungry for, you know, some kind of a different story. And, and part of that is what I'm seeking out. Part of that is that it's only come to my attention recently that there, I know that there are other stories out there, but that I could actually go and seek them out and, and, and find the, 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 the good ones and, and expand my own, uh, viewpoint. Do you think there's a parallel for, for me? I'm picking up a little bit of a parallel between if you knowing about these stories that you can go see and then also actors of color knowing about these opportunities that they can go audition for. Yes. People just need to... I want people to be invited to everything. I don't I know. know. I'm not fully forming a thought here, but... No, I, I, this is why I don't have a plan for the future um, because I, or, or on how we're going to deal with it, me personally and also with MAP. Um, it, it's something we are invested in, but that is such a bullshit term. I hate like, well, we're invested in our diversity program. Well, you're either doing it or you're not doing it. There's, right. you know, you know what your fucking program should be is just to <laughs> fucking be more diverse, you know, like just do it. Um, and so I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to fall into that trap, but I don't know how we're, we're, we're thinking about it a lot. I don't know how, because we only produce once a year. And um, the reason that we started a, a company um, is to give ourselves opportunity, um, some kind of artistic outlet and opportunity, because we weren't getting the kind of outlet and opportunity we wanted to in, in the wider community. Um, so, so then already two of the creative spots in the, in the production are taken up by us, uh, and we're white and middle class. Um, uh, or I'm white and starving artist, you know, you know, <laughs> right. uh, uh, and, and we don't have a lot of money to do big casts. So anyway, like, and so then all of a sudden we have, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try, you know, that, that, that and I, and I don't want to use that as an excuse. Yes. And it's not just actors, right? It's gotta be designers and playwrights and everything, everything involved, stage management, production team, everything, directing, um, yeah, we, we can't just think about it as an, as, as an actor problem. Also, there's, there's gotta be, they, they just are, these people I I exist and we got, we have to keep them from moving away all the time. They come here from school <laughs> and then they move school? away <laughs> and then they move away because why wouldn't you? Can you look around and you see the opportunities that you have slash don't have in Seattle? And again, it's not because we're shitty people and we don't care. It's because we have been a little bit careless, but not through bad intentions, just through carelessness, just through the kind of carelessness that comes with privilege. Um, and so it's incumbent on us to recognize our privilege and to recognize that we have been careless. Um, so I'm trying to do it with more care, but I still don't know how we're going to see our way forward. That's, that's a wonderful and honest answer. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Brandon, Brandon Simmons, uh, caveat to me too. 
consider calling in all these people, not just when you have a black role in your script and not just like looking for a script that has a black role, but like just consider, you know, that, um, and I, and, and, and here I'd like to, uh, that I was specifically casting for black actors. So that's what I was looking for, but I'd like to also, uh, give a shout out to all the other actors of color in town. Woo! You know, there's a lot, we have a, we have a, we have a lot of diversity if we just look for it, but we need to look in different places for it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't know how we're going to move forward, but we're going to think about it every step we move forward with. Awesome. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, and any suggestions? Any suge- Let us know. <laughs> seriously. That's, if you yeah. have any weird dark comedies that have big casts with a you know kind of like fluid uh, racially or sexually fluid people, send them our way. Like I mean, you know. People know what the good plays are out there, and because we have a really particular niche too that we try to fulfill, and so then all of a sudden, you know, we're we're carving off another big chunk of it, right? Yeah. So uh, we were talking a little bit again. All these good things that happen before we start we start recording <laughs> about how uh, so so far you've produced with all female directors. Matt Theater, company. yeah, yeah. Um, Is that was that intentional? What or did it happen and then you just kept that momentum going? Yeah, I, it wasn't uh, It wasn't intentional in so much as we were like, we're going to use all female directors. Um, part of it is because I've directed two of those shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but part of it is just the, the kind of powerhouse directors that have the sensibilities that we have, that have come to us, um, that have you know crossed our paths, that we're like, oh yeah, this person would be great for that project, have been uh, women. Um, so, so happenstance, but it was also, it was something that Brandon mentioned after our, I think our third production, he's like, oh, so far it's all, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And so I do think that there's a, you know, just a little, uh, although, um, the show that we hope to produce in 2017, uh, with, uh, Richard Zyman at the helm directing will, will, he'll have to, I don't know, he'll have to, you know, be, and be somehow incorporated into the, into the, the, the feminine club. He'll have, you know, because he, we're all fluid, right? There's, right. There's a, yeah. But so that will, that, that will break that trend. But Richard's awesome, so. Six out of seven is pretty freaking awesome. It is. It is. And it's, there's so many good directors in town, but so many good female directors. Like, they're just. Who are some of your favorites? Let's, let's uh, give Kelly Kitchens, man. Kelly Kitchens, uh, from beginning to end, everything that she, and I, uh, she just directed Art of Bad Men, so of course she's on my mind. Uh, and she, I, it was like a masterclass in directing, just being in the rehearsal room as mm. an actor with her. She was amazed. I mean, I was amazeballs, like the, the the way that she communicated and uh, and approached the work and the compassion and kindness with which she treated everybody. Uh, she just does it with such a. It just comes from. That's just who she is. And, and it just comes from this place, but uh, but it was it was really great to see. And but she is not acquiescent at all. She wants what she wants, and she sympathizes with you if what she's asking is hard, but mm. she still wants it. And but she does it with aplomb and kindness at the same time. And I was like, that is that is the woman I strive to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another um, female director who's also uh, Kelly's a great actress too. Um, uh, Vanessa Miller. I love, uh, she is, uh, 
a director that I have worked with that by the end of the process, I worked with her um, with uh, on a show called Sunlight at Arts West. Um, I was a better actor at the end of that process than I was going in, and I have loved um, almost all of the directors I've worked with, but I, I even the ones that I have loved at the top of my list, um, I, I don't say that, that, that about. That was one process that I was a better actor at the end of the process, than I went, and that was cool. Um, there's always things you learn, and there's always ways of right. directors, but, but she actually made me a better actress, which is... It was like, I was kind of cool. Like, I was just like, <laughs> it was really cool. I was like, oh, good, I can still, I can still, like, kind of get through that to that next level if, you know, given the right circumstances. That felt good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, uh, Rosa Joshi is amazing. Uh, she's a uh, professor at SU, uh, but she's been working more around town. She's the one that's directed the all-female Titus. She also directed six years prior to the all-female Titus, uh, which is where I met her. She directed an all-female King John uh, through a company called Upstart Crow, which is dedicated to doing the classics, particularly Shakespeare, with all-female casts. And we don't gender... We, we, we don't... Um, we don't change the pronouns in that either. So it's... Uh, and, um, and we... Uh, that, that was interesting what you were saying earlier. We... I, I guess the best way I can describe how we do that is we're playing male characters as males, but we're not, like, doing it in drag. I mean, we're we're dressing in pants and armor and things that males might wear if they were also doing the role, but we're not, it's, it's, we're not doing it in drag. It's not never meant to. And the best way I, I describe, I don't know if Rosa would agree with this, but um, the best way that I kind of found to describe it is that, uh, that we're considering the maleness of that character, just like another character trait of that character. Um, Huh. Uh, which is which is kind of the easiest way for me to wrap my mind around it. The fact yeah. that the dude that I'm playing is male is one aspect of many. Yeah. I like that. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, Amay Bruneau, who also directed for us last year, she's a fantastic powerhouse director. Julia Griffin, who just did the, uh, she just directed uh, In Arabia, We'd All Be Kings at Schmieder. Mm, mm. Freaking amazing. I'm like, I'm like writing these all down. I'm like, the next guest for my podcast. <laughs> you could do an all-female director. Yes, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah Julia Griffin, uh, Julie Briskman. Uh, yes. I'm sorry, uh, I mean Julie Beckman. Julie yes. Briskman is also Tal- an amazing, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, talented artist in town. But Julie Beckman, who, who just opened Annapurna. Um, yeah, just amazing. Amazing. Rita Giomi is one of my favorites. She tends to work... Um, Primarily at the Children's Theater, which is where she's on staff, but she's a she's a killer director. Yeah, I have this, I have this list put in my pocket now. Oh my gosh, and um, I'll be knocking uh, on your door. Amy Poisson. Oh yes. Yeah, I'll be knocking on your door and saying, "Can I get this person's email?" Please? Oh my god, totally. I any of these women, I'd love to talk to, listen to at any point. Yeah, I think it's almost a. Hopefully, this doesn't sound stupid, but I think it's almost a rebellious act. And just in terms of how our power structure has been set up so far to, you know, even to be like, I want to be a female director a little bit. Like there's that sort of like, I don't know. I still feel that. I think so. Is this, is this okay? Do I have permission? Yeah. It sort of feels like I'm 
Yeah. It's being naughty, like me me wanting to be in charge a little bit. And like having to like be like, fuck that, fuck that. No, yeah. no, it, no. It can kind of be like, you know, like a, is rebellion to the little voice inside your head. But also right. I do think it's societally rebellious still. And maybe even more a little bit than it was maybe a generation or two ago. We've backslid a little bit in this country uh, with women's rights and stuff like that. Um uh, but we and we have to remember we live in Seattle, so it's it feels a little bit safer here and not quite. The conversation right. doesn't quite feel as rebellious. But when you step out of the bounds of of this kind of safe haven that we're in, and the various kind of artistic en- enclaves all over the United States, when we step out of those bounds, it is definitely a rebellious act, uh, without without us intending it to be. That's why that's what she said is is exploded. Right. Um, they certainly meant to comment. Did they mean to rebel? I don't know. Maybe they, maybe that was in the back of their head. And good for them if, they, you know, like nothing wrong with that. Um, but I'm, I'm always a little bit shocked at how rebellious it still feels to be uh, genderqueer, to be a woman in a traditionally man's role, to just be an actor or a person of color walking down the street in some areas of this country where some people get shot for no reason. Uh, there's, I mean, that, like, just walking down the street, man. And uh, I suppose I, I get a little bit of that being a woman, but certainly not as much as if I were um, a genderqueer woman or a woman of color. Or a man of color. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I want I like, I just want it to not be that way. <laughs> I know. I know. I totally get that. On, on, a, on a, a lighter note, <laughs> what, uh, what's the rest of this year look like for you? What, what else are you looking forward to? Uh, I am looking forward to this show very much. And then I am looking forward to planning 2017 for MAP. Um, and I, I'm going to see what comes up. Maybe it would be cool to pick up another project. Um, but it would also be cool to be able to go the second half of the year, see way more. Th- I think I, I saw last year, I saw so little. Um, but I think it would be, uh, if, if I don't happen to, um, uh, pick up a project along the way, uh, it would just be great to just chill and every weekend be in the theater on the other side in the audience and, and seeing a whole bunch of things that I didn't get to see and, and seeing some of these new kids that are coming up because <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Snappers. yeah, I mean, and I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to go a little bit further afield and, um, get down to Olympia once or twice and see a couple things in Tacoma and, you know, and not just, not just in our kind of like our, our little like Capitol Hill, Queen Anne. Right. Yeah. Bubble. bubble. It would be nice to yeah, even get over to Bainbridge, right? There, yes, would be, would be. For that's me. what I mean. Bainbridge is Keiko. Keiko. That's Green. right. That's right. Ba- that's right. <laughs> Bainbridge would be one of the islands. One of the islands. One of the islands. Yeah. Well, I feel like we had a very thick milkshake of goodness. I know that was super fun. Second, well, that's what we said. We podcast. said before we started, we'll just see. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I want to mention one thing about Belleville that we did talk about. How kind of it was like a. Dis- uncomfortable or discomforting, I think is the word I used. Um, I would straight up say that it's Hitchcockian, and if that intrigues you, listeners, yeah. uh, it might be up your alley. I'd say it's like a little modern uh, Hitchcockian domestic thriller. Love that. Yeah. So that that's tag- just one thing I hadn't said before that I wouldn't. Yeah, it, it was my tagline, but now we actually have a real press person who gave us a real tagline. <laughs> <laughs> and a real press release. Uh, but yeah, but I, um, 
I hadn't mentioned the kind of Hitchcockian elements of it before, but it certainly falls into that camp. So Absolutely. that's intriguing. It's intriguing me. I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see it. Belleville. Go see Belleville. Listeners. Go see anything. But especially come see Belleville. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much good going on right now. I love it. It's a it's a great time. Uh, great time for theater, I think. And, and I'm really excited about all the... Uh, all the juicy stuff that's happening in Seattle in particular. Yeah. So. Yep. It doesn't seem like we're going to be moving backwards. These conversations are going to keep going forward, and it's really exciting. Yay! Well, Peggy Gannon, you're a delight. You are. As always. You Thank are. you for returning. I am delighted to be your first return customer. Well, well, maybe we'll have to have you back a third time next year. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. 